0: Hail and well met, traveler. Welcome to our second installment of We Roll Dice. I'm your host, Kylan Wiggin. Today, my guest is Adelaide Gardner, a tabletop gaming enthusiast and designer. She's working with a company called Action Fiction on a science fiction horror tabletop RPG game called Anomaly. You can find Adelaide on Twitter. Her handle is at OAdelaide. Also check out her project and others at actionfiction.com.
1: Adelaide, thank you very much for joining me for our second episode of We Roll Dice. Um, Would you mind briefly introducing yourself for our
0: listeners?
2: Uh, yeah, of course. I am Adelaide Gardner. Uh, I'm Adelaide on Twitter. Uh, tabletops, uh, devil queen, essentially. Uh, I have a lot of hot takes. I am a game designer officially now. I am a content uh, creator. And I play semi-professionally on uh, many different streams.
1: Wonderful. And congratulations on becoming officially a content creator. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's, it's ruining my life. And no, it's, it's, it's great. But uh, it is a much different process than just playing in a game. Writing tabletop RPGs is, is really hard.
1: Yes, it is. In fact, very hard. <laughs> so um, what was the very first uh, tabletop system that you learned to play?
2: Uh, I believe that was 3.5 when I was in college. Uh, I had an assignment to write an ethnographic study for my anthropology class in university. And uh, it's supposed to be in a local group. So I chose the local Dungeons and Dragons group, which also happened to be some of my friends. Nice. And I begged them to crash course me in it and teach me everything and let me write about them. And I fell... In love. I had always thought Dungeons and Dragons was the dorkiest thing imaginable, which is funny because I used to play video games for like 16 hours all the time. Um, But uh, yeah, no, I fell in love with it. So 3.5 was probably my first.
1: That is not an easy one to jump into. So...
2: You know, I actually I don't remember having a, a tough time with it. I caught on pretty fast, which is hard because uh hard to believe because I am not good at math at all.
1: <laughs> I, I
2: still cut on my fingers.
1: If you found 3.5 easy to pick up, I understand why you're now in the writing space. So that makes a lot of sense <sighs> to me. <laughs> so was that also how you just discovered the hobby in general? Was through through that group of friends during that uh project?
2: Uh no. I remember um my dad used to play when he was a kid, and he's mentioned it a couple times. Um, and, of course, I just, I've just i always been kind of like the geeky group of people. Mm-hmm. So my friends would play or, like, I would hear about it. Um, I'm also adopted. So whenever I met my birth father for the first time, he had – like the original AD&D box set, oh, I nice. believe, like the old style sheets. And I remember that very well. Um, so that was probably like my first seeing it in person. Um, but I've always I've always think I've known about Dungeons and Dragons or tabletop in general.
1: Cool. So, yeah, you you uh, learned about it sort of the same way I did from the previous generation. That's pretty cool. Mm. So tell me a bit about your very first D&D character.
2: Oh, God. Uh, so the one that I played in 3.5, I think I played maybe a session or two with it. Uh, we were on a pirate ship, I think, and I was a swashbuckler of some sort. I don't remember the character class. I'm pretty sure it was some, some kind of rogue. Uh, but my, I guess my first like big character that I ever played... Uh, was about three years ago in one of my longest-running campaigns. Her name was Samsara. She was a tiefling uh, that kind of ran away to the desert and lived out in the desert like some kind of wild creature uh, all alone for about 10 years. So she didn't know how to read. Uh, She didn't know how to socialize. She didn't know how to swim. Uh, But it was pretty fun.
1: (laughs) That's great. And I know that you said on Twitter that you are about to become a DM.
2: Yes. My first game's on Thursday. <laughs> that That is
1: fantastic. And many congratulations. And I'm sure you'll do. I'm sure you'll do great.
2: Thank you. I'm very nervous, but very excited.
1: <laughs> Can you let us slip any details about your upcoming campaign?
2: Uh, yeah. So it is 5E. Uh, I wanted to learn in a system that I was super comfortable and I already knew. Um, and I am playing a homebrew module uh, called Zeitgeist, the Gears of Revolution, um that was built i think for originally for pathfinder okay um or 4e uh but then they converted it to 5 it's it's fascinating it's super uh in depth with like lore and politics and very intrigue and huge conspiracy theories um yeah so i just decided um i would just do a 1 through 20 uh epic length campaign for my
1: first oh campaign. sure just jump right in with both you. Yeah.
2: <laughs> why not you know why not it's fine, it's fine. <laughs>
1: That sounds like it'll be a lot of fun. I haven't heard of that module, so I'll have to look it up.
2: Yeah, it's really great, really, really great.
1: As you've been playing now, what's been your longest running or most successful game?
2: Uh, oh, I have, I have uh three games. One that ended last year, um, but I have three games that have all played for over a year and a half at least. Wow. Uh, my Monday and Tuesday games we've been playing for almost two years now. Uh, and, uh, we, we are in the second season on my Tuesday game. It's not streamed. Neither of them are streamed games, but I think we're level 13 now, starting from one.
0: Oh, wow. That's uh, great. It's
2: been a while. It's been a wild ride. Yeah. Uh, we're all very good friends now, but at this point we were complete strangers when we met <laughs> in both games. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's been really fun. A lot of, a lot of really intense character development and a lot of, uh, fun, uh, scary leaps to make i guess in terms of like role playing with like challenging myself in uh new ways i like it it's good
1: it's great it's to good. find groups that support that kind of play
2: oh yeah uh-huh it's a very trusting space yeah
1: definitely not all of them do so it's really nice when you find one and... oh no,
2: yeah and when even the boys aren't afraid to cry i'll just say it all right <laughs> the guys are usually not the cry babies but like we've all cried in this campaign so it's good <laughs> that
1: sounds like a good one for sure <laughs> and are those uh, are those D&D as well?
2: Uh yes, they are all all of my games currently that I play in are 5e with the exception of my Friday show that is Cyberpunk Red, which has been fantastic.
1: What is Cyberpunk Red?
2: That is the newest version of uh Artelsorian Cyberpunk tabletop RPG. Oh. We officially got the we are their first sponsored cyberpunk stream and we got access to the official rule set that is not out yet Um, but we get to play with the entire full rule set on stream um it's uh, updated sheets it's updated um classes and abilities and weapons and things um it's really really fun very high tech uh really interesting way of like combat and the things that you can do it's fun i like i like futurism and uh like very modern stuff it's, sure. it's my it's my first modern campaign.
1: That sounds fantastic. I'm going to have to check out the stream so I can get a sneak peek of this uh this rule system cuz I am a systems nerd.
2: <laughs> yeah. I really it's like great. Them. It's really fun.
1: <laughs> so, um out of all the game systems you've played so far, which one's your favorite?
2: Oh. Um okay, so I have two. Uh so there's Scum and Villainy that I've played, I love it for its simplicity. My tabletop that I am developing right now is really, um, uh, takes that as inspiration. Um, My system's completely D12, um, but I I love the simplicity of their their stats and how you roll and everything's very transparent um, and really, really cool. Um, But also I love the character creation of call of cthulhu and i know a lot of people hate it because there's so much shit that you can do but that's (laughs) why it's good that's why it's good you're not supposed to be good at everything in call of cthulhu that's right so there's so many options okay i'm gonna i'm gonna be a a latin speaker and i specialize in greek antiquities and i'm scared shitless and i'm probably gonna die but it's all good
1: probably gonna die yep My favorite Call of Cthulhu rule, I think, comes from a couple editions ago where it says that Cthulhu eats 1d4 investigators per round. (laughs) Yeah. That's exactly. Always always made me laugh.
2: (laughs) It's a good system.
1: So tell us a little bit more about Anomaly um, because you're working on developing that right now. So,
2: yes. uh, It's my first tabletop, as I said. It is completely sci fi horror. Think of it a little like. A Mix of Men in Black Meets the X-Files. Um, it's very SCP Foundation inspired. Um, we have 12 classes. We have uh, a huge expanse of lore that's in a very mysterious agency that you are doing jobs for. And it is entirely played with a single D12. Ooh. Yeah. We're very excited.
1: That's That's fantastic. And how far along are you in the development process?
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, we actually, we actually do have pretty much all of our rule sets finished. The mechanics are are, are there. Um, I'm in charge of the lore writing, and I have the capacity to write maybe ten words a day. Uh, sure. So <laughs> uh, it's it's super hard for me. Um, but we have uh, two parts of our first triple part uh, module. That's meant to play, meant to be played in three sessions, um, and we are hopefully going to create around three to five of those with release of the game. Um, ideally, more, but we'll see.
1: That's a lot, um, yeah. That's a lot to get started with.
2: Yeah, so I am saying maybe like maybe like a third of the way into it. Awesome. We're hoping to pick up a lot around uh, October time, Halloween time.
1: Great. And uh, have you been in playtesting so far? Has that gone well?
2: Yes, not official playtesting, but I actually dm DMed. Um, this was the first time that I really felt successful as a DM. Okay. Um, two weeks ago, I played from my Monday group, just casually running them through the first episode, uh, and they loved it. And it was really, really fun. Um, we learned a lot from it about uh, timing things um, and uh, just balance adjustments and things like that. So it's really been fun to kind of... Put me through the ringer with that because I've never done playtesting before sure. as far as design work, um, so it's a much different um, experience. But they loved it, uh, so I—I I mean, we're on the right track, you know, for creating a an enjoyable game for sure.
1: That's that's great. I'm so glad to hear that. I can't wait to uh, to keep up with it and and check it out when it uh, when it launches. That's that's really cool. So, um, in the time that you've been playing, has have you had a DM that has really like? Had a trick or something that keeps the players coming back to the table that you have noticed and want to use for yourself
2: mm, I mean it's hard to say tricks um my probably my my favorite game I've ever played is my is my Monday and Tuesday as a close second um the way my the they're, they're two different dms but mm-hmm. they weave um player back character backgrounds into just a seamless experience where even if you're kind of on an arc where it's your character's focus everybody else is still really involved and they actually care about what's going on with your character instead of just kind of waiting for it to move on so that they can get the spotlight um it's it's all very integrated um and they are all homebrew games so they weave the storylines in a way that Includes everyone in the plot, even if it's one character's kind of spotlight moment. Uh, and I really like that. I'm huge on Homebrew Worlds. Mm-hmm. I prefer them than any other, like, pre-built module. Whoa, pre-b- pre-built module <laughs> um, ever. So, Humber Games all the way. All the way.
1: Me too. I'm right there with you. <laughs> so, uh, I- I've come to see uh tabletop rpg players on sort of a a spectrum between what i call the dungeon crawler and what i call call mm-hmm. the storyteller and mm-hmm. it sounds like you're a little bit more on the storyteller side
2: oh big time big time i could care less about combat to be honest um i i i like i do enjoy combat um and there have been some fights that have been very very memorable um <laughs> and it's just constant dice rolling the entire time but yeah i'm definitely a storyteller kind of person i you know, as long as as lo- as long as combat advances the story in a meaningful way, I'm all for it. But otherwise I could, hey, you kill a bunch of guards and you move on, you know, kind of thing.
1: Right. Have you also noticed uh, when playing, especially fifth edition, that when you, I- I'm not sure how your DMs play it, but when you have fewer combats, they have to be a lot bigger than you'd think or um, the players just sort of Ooh. roll over it?
2: Uh yeah I I I would say it's a all of my games are pretty balanced um as far as combat and role playing we we definitely have I would say at least a combat every other session if not a small one every session but it definitely um isn't just kind of thrown in there just to give us something to do all of them um in the games that I've really enjoyed have some kind of purpose to them. And are completely bypassable, I guess, if we want to, if we want to go that route, but I've never really felt that it's just like, oh, he's just kind of throwing a dragon in our way just because we're in a dungeon and that's what you're supposed to do is find the dragon. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely some kind of meaning to the fight if there's going to be fewer, fewer fights in that sure.
1: That is that aligns very well with my own philosophy. So that's I'm glad to hear there are other <laughs> people out there doing this stuff. And so you've already said one of my questions is about whether you prefer pre-written modules or creating your own worlds, but you have already. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I haven't been able to do that as a, as a DM yet. Uh, eventually one day, I hope to. Um, that's a lot of pressure as a new DM. <laughs> um, but I do love, I love creating worlds and NPCs and maps, especially. I'm like a hobby map maker in my own time. Um, it's I'm so not, much fun. I'm not good at it. But it is fun. Uh, <laughs> Incarnate for the win. Love it. Yes. Um, yeah, it's really good. Uh, but no, I, I definitely prefer Humber Worlds. I think they allow for much more character depth um, and exploration, um, role play wise, than a lot of modules can give you. I'm sure there's a lot of great modules out there. I just don't. I don't know. I don't have much interest in them. I don't know why. I really don't know why. I could. Do, I can't tell you. And, of course, I'm saying this knowing I'm DMing a module, but, you know.
1: Well, sure. But, you know, first of all, it's it's nice to have the net when you first get started.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) It sounds like it's because you're a storyteller and you like to make sure that the characters feel important and not just Mm -hmm. um, people who wander by in the world.
2: Right. Yeah. I want them to feel meaningful in the story and not just I'm playing this to progress somebody else's story.
1: So, uh, what is your best idea for a character that you haven't gotten to use yet?
2: Oh god! Uh, oh man! Um, that's a good question. I'm really fortunate that I get to play most of the characters that I have created. Um, oh, you know, I don't think I have one that I that I haven't been able to play. But I think my favorite characters that I have ever created one is a a gorgon. In a Weird West campaign, it's very West Marches style. Okay. Um, she's kind of a villain, um, actually, in that game. I haven't played her in a long time, uh, but very um, cutthroat, bandit, Gorgon woman, essentially. Um, and I also play in Asimar in my podcast, Fae Forge Academy, um, where I just, I love her aesthetic character development. She, um, she's a black woman, um, but she's an Azimar, So she has a bit of LIGO, but it's gold. Oh, and it glows. Cool. <laughs> so, I had a dream about it. And I was like, I have to make a character that looks like that. It's just too beautiful. So
1: <laughs> That's really cool. I like that a lot.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
1: A good way to use that divine heritage.
2: <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Azimar is supposed to look really special. So
1: right. Exactly. Otherwise, what's the point? Right. What's the point? Right. Then you might as well just play a human, right? Like,
2: Right. Exactly.
1: <laughs> so I know you said that you are in a live play, right?
2: Uh, I'm in multiple, yes.
1: Okay, cool. Can you tell us a bit about them?
2: Uh, yeah. So Wednesdays, I play on Goldheart Group's channel. Um, we are playing 5e, um, a homebrew game called A Date with Death, where we have somehow picked up literal death as a character. Into our party. Okay. Um, and kind of flirting with them along the way, adventuring with them along the way. Um, and uh, we are almost at the finale pinnacle, I think. Uh, so that should be pretty fun. I play an old lady tortle uh that has had many uh sexual exploits along her a couple hundred years. Uh yeah, they call her they call her a uh, big nan. Um uh, <laughs>
1: That's wonderful. It's really
2: fun. She's got a very thick southern drawl, and I just channel my grandmother, so it's been really fun. Um, Friday's my cyberpunk red game. As I said, I play Reno as Solo. It's very surly. She's a cat. Um, And uh, Sundays, I'm on Fae Forge Academy, which is our podcast. That's also 5e, and we are students in a magical academy exploring some mysterious goings-on with the school. Is that it? Is that all that I'm in right now? Wednesday? (laughs) Wednesday Friday and sunday yeah i think I think that's it
1: <laughs> for now anyway
2: i've been too yeah I've been too many I've been too many. it used to be more mm-hmm.
1: so that of course takes up a lot of time. Is there one mm-hmm. that you uh enjoy watching that you keep up on or is is playing in them taking up the, enough time for you
2: uh, i I occasionally of course I occasionally watch critical role um uh, I am not up to date I think I'm in an episode. 83 of campaign one. Okay. uh And that's taken me like three years to get through. It's uh, very long. It's very long. Well, okay. So I hate it. I hated it when I first watched it. I did not like it. And it took me like three different times. And it's like, fuck it. I can't do it. I just, I hate these characters. I hate these people. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, girl. girl. Um, but then, but then campaign two came out. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, maybe I'll give another shot. And suddenly I was hooked. And yeah. so I watched that until about the first December after it aired, and then I paused it. I was like, "Hold on, wait a second. Let me give campaign one one more try. I like everybody now i get I get the concept, and I want to know the end jokes so let's just let's just do it and now I'm on episode eighty four ish so I'm almost done. I thought I was done. I thought I was like, oh, yeah, there's like 90 episodes in campaign mm-hmm. one. I'm no. nearly finished. No, there's like 120. I have there's like, like 120. 400 more hours. <laughs> <laughs> I have 400 more <laughs> hours in this campaign.
1: Well, I, I will say, uh, having seen all of season one, uh, the or campaign one, the ending is worth it. So when you get oh, there, it'll be worth it.
2: Oh, I love it. It's It's been really, really great. Um, but that's honestly, that's the only one that I keep up with. I occasionally watch Rivals. Um, I really love Rivals of Waterdeep. Really great show. Um, I've got friends on that cast, so I'm kind of biased, but it's stellar. Sure. Um, I also like the Musafirs podcast, which is a decolonized dandy podcast. Really great. Um, I've watched a little bit of Venture Maidens. Um, I love the broadswords. I have not kept up with the broadswords. Um, they were really, really good. Um, and I wish I could watch more of my friend's stuff because i got a lot of friends in tabletop space. But I just...
1: There's only so many hours in a week.
2: There's only so many hours in the day. I wish. I would have to quit everything, essentially, to watch everything.
1: <laughs> to keep up with everything. I
2: watch Critical Role once, like maybe every three weeks. That's that's about as much as I've got
1: time for. Right, right. I, I, yes, I understand the The blessing and the curse of this uh, wonderful era of content is that there is just so much.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: So um, I actually have a, a more specific question. Uh, going back to anomaly. What made mm-hmm. you decide to do to fuse sci-fi and horror?
2: I had been sitting on the concept of anomaly for about a year. But I didn't know how to make a tabletop RPG. Like I knew I knew how to play it. I I considered myself an experienced player even back then. And now I really consider myself an experienced player. Um yeah. but I, I didn't know where to start. Um I played uh especially after I played the video game control, I was like, this is exactly what I want for a tabletop mm. RPG. Um like this is it. Um and I it never really formalized until I met my boyfriend Jaron Johnson, who is um another part of our company action fiction and mm-hmm. i gave the concept to him and i was like listen this is what i want to do do you know how to do this and he's like boom done we're gonna make it we're gonna make <laughs> it happen um nice. he probably just said that because you know he was flirting with me but still um
1: <laughs> <Hey>. it's
2: happening <laughs>
1: um,
2: but i you know i've always really loved sci-fi i'm a huge fan of men in black it's so mm-hmm. cheesy but it's so good so um, good um it's, it's great, uh, especially the third one, super underrated, really quality movie. Uh, we watched all three of them again just this past couple of months um, to get a refresher on it. But I just I love the spookiness of of Tabletop. And I don't s- see that there's enough of that really or enough of the kind that I like anyway, because mm-hmm. I also really like Camp right and it's kind of campy um it's very retrofuturism there's that wonderful bit of very dry wit to the horror as well um in unexpected ways I think I hope anyway um yeah, so I just I hadn't seen anything really like that in T plus space and I wanted to make it
1: that's really cool i found <laughs> i found uh it's difficult to evoke horror at a a tabletop mm-hmm. It's a difficult feeling to evoke, so um, I'm looking forward to finding out how you uh, how you develop that.
2: That's why I was so excited. But when I when I ran my guys through our module, they were thoroughly, genuinely creeped out, and I was like, "This is this is what I need. I need it to be scary." So success.
1: That is definitely a win. Hooray! Yes. <laughs> All right. That's fantastic. And uh thank you so much for uh sharing what little, those little previews with us. <laughs> that's great. We will look forward uh, very much to seeing that come out and fingers crossed for Halloween.
2: Yeah, our Kickstarter I will I will let it slip our Kickstarter should be ready to go around Halloween time. So awesome. um that's all of our updates will be on Action Fictions Twitter and website. I also tweet nonstop. It's ridiculous. So <laughs> You can find shit on my Twitter as well.
1: Excellent. And actually, I'll, I'll ask one more question. Um, as far as the the book goes, what's your plan for artwork to, uh, to fill your book with?
0: We
2: have a small team right now of writers. Um, we actually have uh, a teaser image uh, that we've leaked. Um, or not leaked i guess pub- posted publicly <laughs> um it's going to be very very retrofuturism um very gritty um a lot of super creepy monsters which we're really excited about um the uh agency's very uh brutalist uh architecture um yeah it should be really good i'm really excited about our uh, about our, our team of Artists, it was it was really hard to find people that can do retrofuturism. Mm. That's not a very common art style nowadays.
1: Yeah, I imagine so.
2: Yeah, everybody everybody really loves the uh, very modern cyberpunky art, which is great too. But that's not what we're no, going
1: not the for, thing so. you needed. So
2: yeah, exactly.
1: Well, excellent. Um, I think that covers about all the questions I have for today, Adelaide. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, sharing your story and your insights with us. We're going to keep a close eye on Anomaly and its Kickstarter, which we'll, um, of course, share when that comes up. And uh, thank you again, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.
2: Yeah, thanks for talking to me. I hope you do, too.
0: Thanks so much to Adelaide for joining me to share her story today. We're very much looking forward to hearing more about Anomaly and Action Fiction's other projects, and we'll update on this story as we hear more. Until next time, may the road ever rise to meet you. Threat Dice is a production of TumbleDye Games, LLC. The We Roll Dice intro is New Hope, the interludes are Clockwork, and the outro music is Storm, all by Vince Vept. Check out his amazing work at youtube.com slash Vince V-I-N-D-S-V-E-P-T. Additional music by Andre Sitkov and Andy Ray. This episode was produced and recorded by me, Kylan Wiggin, and special thanks to our guest, Adelaide Gardner. A person is smart. People are dumb, panicky, dangerous animals, and you know it. You can find Threat Dice on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.